everyone. I am Catherine Druckmann. I am talking to Doc Searles and Kyle Rankin is joining us again today. I'm pretty excited about that because I always enjoy talking to Kyle uh, and Doc. Um, and we have we have a lot to talk about. We, we, we've, not, we've, we've been a little bit slow. I feel like I have to acknowledge this. We've been a bit slow to publish episodes recently, but, but we're getting back in the groove. Um, yeah, so there's there's so much going on always, right? But this one is this one is something that that I we've covered a little bit before, but Doc and I have and and Kyle we have these conversations that keep coming up, and that and and one of them is our uh, well Doc's desire and my desire, and we'll find out what Kyle thinks um, to have a a responsible personal AI that actually works for us. And that, and so far we we've, we're trying to navigate that, and we haven't found it. I think it's the spoiler alert, but but maybe we can talk about why that is. So let, so, well, Doc, first, why gone, don't you first start by plugging your event? I think that's that's oh, a good sure. place to okay. start. Oh, sure. Okay. So so yeah, um, uh, there, there are actually two events, but the one that matters is um, well, actually both matter. So <laughs> we're we're about to have our thirty. 7th or 38th or 39th uh, Internet Identity Workshop, which doesn't have to be about internet or identity. Um, it happens at the Computer History Museum. It, it's three days. It's uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you go to I- iiworkshop.org, that is the shortcut. But if you just look up Internet Identity Workshop, um, lots of great things that come out of there, so not so great, but lots of big conversations, some actual development, uh, uh, open I- OpenID, OAuth, um, uh, OpenID Connect, um, Microsoft's whole identity thing that several generations of it. Um, a lot of it's mostly techies or people close to techies uh, doing in in the weeds the development, ground level development. Um, uh, it's all done by the participants, but um, there's no no keynotes, no um, no booths. Um, the sponsors only buy food. Um, and, uh, it runs on food. It's really, the food's always good. And we've got a, you know, I've got a barista on staff there or shows up Mm -hmm. there anyway. So that is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the 10th, 11th and 12th of this month. But the day before we're going to talk about personal AI at VRM day, whereas IW does cost money and it is cheap for a three day conference. It still does cost money, but the day before I, uh, VRM day, is not. Um, and if you go to VRM day, uh, 2023b.eventbrite.com, uh, you can find it that way. Or if you just go to v- projectvrm.org, that's our blog, just project. And then the letters Victor, uh, Romeo, um, whatever M stands for Maria, Mike, so, Mike, Mike, Victor. I Romeo, can never Mike. remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, I made myself no one day I made myself sit down and I wrote down the NATO phonetic alphabet because I was, you know, a sysadmin always reading over mm. like, uh, IDs and things over the yeah. phone to support contracts and all that stuff. And so I was always like reading serial numbers and everything over the phone. So I sat down and just got the NATO phonetic alphabet. And then every morning I would sit there and say my ABCs and the I would Alpha just go Romeo. from A to yeah, I would Bravo. do Alpha, Alpha, Beta, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, et cetera, all the way down to... Um, <laughs> it's Beta? I thought it was Bravo. It is Bravo. It's, 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 see, the, the aviation one is, is Bravo. Oh, Alpha Bravo. Different. Yes, Alpha no, Bravo. it's Bravo. Did I, did I okay, say Beta? Phew. 
You said no, it's yeah. Bravo. That makes I, sense. That yeah, makes yeah, sense. It's Bravo. Yeah, sorry, okay. sorry. I was like, oh, sorry. my whole world. Listeners, you, I know it's Bravo. Yeah, yeah. So Alpha Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I was thinking something. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, Alpha Bravo all the way down it's to like, like me Yan- Yankee Zulu, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah. yeah, so I just you know, I would sit there and do my yeah, but yeah, I would just sit every morning and did my ABCs until I felt like I knew it, um, and then right. I would test myself a week or two later and do my ABCs, and if I got stuck, then I would go through and you know like look it up again until I got it more or less. Except for now, I'm when sorry. I said beta instead of Bravo. I mean, anyway, I kind of edited to get, it out, but now it's such a part of the, the conversation yeah. that it's it's gold, and I can't. It, it has oh, to it's stay. Great. Well, it also it messes you up. You you learn that one, and then you'll hear like police officers on a show or whatever, or even in real life, and yeah, everyone yeah, has yeah. like their own little phonetic alphabet. Either they made it up, or they have like a colloquialisms where they'll because say beta and, monsters or whatever. I know. Yeah, it's so like, it messes if, you up. if I'm saying my name over the phone, because S's and F's, Sierra and Frank. Um, get mixed up um i i will say <laughs> searles s's and sam because i won't say sierra because they don't know so uh you have to make up your own sometimes See, anyway I, Monday, I like mine i like mine though because my initials are kilo romeo which is oh that's oh, cool that's a good one that's, yeah. that's cool that's like uh your your kilo the delta. street you grew up on is the last name of your delta. porn name something like that you know um um, anyway, um, uh, <laughs> so the 10th, you could just show up at the Computer History Museum and come on up and we'll talk about it. But it'd be nice if you register because then we get a head count. And then we go off for lunch at the sports bar and it's all good. Anyway, so we're going to talk about personal AI there. We're going to do it here first. Cool. Pre- uh, preview. Um, so yeah, so so personal AI. So, so Doc, I know you have a lot of thoughts about this. We've talked about it a little bit in the past, and I'm starting to kind of be in this place where I'm 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 noticing more and more options, products, uh, and that kind of thing uh, come out that are designed to increase productivity, make our lives easier, do a lot of things. And I'm starting to put more and more effort into thinking about what I would what I would be willing to use, what I would find useful. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I was kind of hoping to hear hear from y'all about, you know, where, where do you, you know, what what's going on? <laughs> what are, what's exciting and what's overhyped? What's you know, what what do we want and what are we not getting? Oh my god! Well, I'll um, to I me, know, it's the so the much. interesting <laughs> thing is what's not going on. Um, I think in in respect to AI, uh, we are where personal computing was in like 1973 when it's maybe talked about a little bit, but there weren't any yet. And um, <clears throat> maybe 74, but I think when did, when did the Apple's, the uh, Apple one show up and the others, they mostly showed up in the mid to late seventies. Um, but even then they were considered toys, but at least they were personal, but, but personal, personal computing was an oxymoron. And right now personal AI is that there are some, personal AI companies, one called personal.ai, another called Pi, P-I. Um, and, but they're all about you. Hey, get, get all your social data and figure out a bunch of crap about yourself from your social data and then do these things of the world. Here's your favorite stuff and look at your favorite stuff and you'll know your favorite stuff better than others do. When to me, it's the mundanities of our everyday life that really, really, really need help. For example, um, you know, I, you know, I, I came home from um, Costco, not Costco, um, CVS yesterday. I had a receipt 
Um, I just like to throw it through a machine that knows that was a CVS receipt, knows it was a business expense or a, um, or a personal expense or maybe a health expense where I could take the impossible to read, but you can put it through a scanner um, visa statement that has all uppercase letters and has like four or five Amazon charges that don't match up your Amazon charges at all online because Amazon keeps records based on what they shipped and when, and they don't even tell you very well. Even to look at back at your Amazon orders is very hard to figure that you need algebra or something to figure this stuff out. <laughs> and, but there's so many other things I've got, I've got a pile of healthcare stuff over here. I'd like to run those through something. Um, and an AI can really help with a lot of this stuff where, where was I on Tuesday, February 23rd, if somebody asks, you know, I mean, for my own purposes, was he at your house or not? You know, where did I have dinner? Um, there's, you know, where did we travel? There's all kinds of crap coming out of your car. The Your your car is shedding data at a ridiculous rate, which is what um, Mozilla had a really good report on earlier this month. Um, I hear your thunder. It's that great. was loud. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I'm going to... You know, Lightning Finder is wonderful. I don't know if you've played with this at all. Uh, Lightning Maps. I'm I have. Sorry. Yeah. Because, well, maps but are... at your recommendation, I have. Oh, it's so good. And I'm looking at it right now. I can see where your, where your thunder is. Kyle puts anyway. on the less sensitive headphones over there so we don't blow his ears <laughs> out. Oh, I, I, I just, I heard my clock ding. And I realized I should probably stop the pendulum over here so it doesn't <laughs> oh, okay. ding on the I've hour. been interrupted. But it's, um, the, the thing is that, you know, we could we could use so much help in our daily lives dealing with the digital stuff that's making our life complicated, and and nobody's working on that that I know of, yeah. right? Because well, they have I, to work for us, and it hasn't occurred to people yet that we need this stuff, right? And I, go ahead. I, was gonna, I think <laughs> that thunder. people are working on it, um, but. There's the, there is the big question, which is, and again, we're we're all privacy nerds here, at least to a to a, to a large extent. Um, and I think the big question is how this information is processed, stored, analyzed, uh, and whatnot. And and you know, and I have been investigating some options recently that that do tout their privacy, and and a lot of a lot of the um, analysis and processing and all of that is is uh, done locally. But mm-hmm. eventually, at least today, um, yeah, much today. of that really needs to be translated in some way. And something's going to the cloud and something's asking, you know, some um, open AI API or something. That, something. And you know, in other words, you cannot, I don't, to my knowledge, and, and please, you know, audience, correct me if I'm wrong. To my knowledge, there's not currently a service or a product or a anything that will let you completely do this locally, not without a lot of work. Um, yeah, that, that's right. So it's kind of like you couldn't build a someday, computer maybe all without of it. stealing parts from HP, which is what Steve Wozniak right. did. Like maybe you know, someday yeah, soon, maybe you'll have a you know a fully trained model locally that you know so you never have to communicate anything you know outside your your protected yeah, I, uh, enclave on your machine but today that doesn't exist and that's a right. big question for me it, it doesn't exist so it should exist and and you know we a problem is that we can't imagine that these things can be done with can can anything be done without having a, a data center working on it you know or multiple data centers working on it and and i'm not sure that the that the level of help we need requires 
knowing everything that was ever on the web and how to interpret it, you know, and, and how to put language together with a bunch of words in a row, which is kind yeah. of what we have right now with, with AI as we most commonly understand it. I think we need, um, it's not going to be that hard to do something that can make sense out of what, what's here. Now, I think it would help to have a service that says, okay, look, we, we've looked at a zillion um, visa statements or we were in touch with all these banks and know how they make their visa statements and we can figure this out for you and we know, you know, what, we know what these, the, these letters mean and stuff like that. And that could be a service and you trust the service and you sue the service if they screw you over. Um, I, I see. There, I think there's a lot of money in this, I and mean, we're we're paying you know fifty, eighty bucks a month, you know, to watch eye candy on our flat screens. We should be able to pay a fraction of that to have, you know, services help us pull our lives together with some AI help. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, this goes back to technology in general, where there's a certain promise of just any technology of, of assisting you in your life, basically a, a tool assist kind of thing where you have some sort of tool that makes your life easier. So you're washing dishes by hand. Now you have a dishwasher and it's, it's Mm -hmm. easing that process. Right. And then technology has a lot of things like that and computers doing the same sort of thing. I mean, the, the notion of what we're, you know, the sort of assistance that AI is doing now has long existed in other forms. So for instance, GPSs. The fact that I don't have, mm-hmm. while well, I have the ability to look at a map and plot out a location, if I need to, I don't have to now. I can offsource that to my assistant who's figuring out the mm-hmm. best route to go between point A and point B. Um, the same thing, ha- I mean, even something as simple as spell checking a word processor, right? You know, the, the fact that well, I can certainly spell words myself. It's very convenient. While I'm writing something, if I have an assistant that's going through and underlining things that I've misspelled while I'm typing. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and that that all of those examples don't necessarily need data centers of NVIDIA GPUs cranking along all day long to, <laughs> right. to figure out. But to I guess I, maybe it would be worth talking about um, what what you what you would want personal AI to do. Because what I'm not necessarily looking for at least the, the, one of the reasons that I haven't, you know, while I understand most, I think there's a lot of people that use these services just to have fun or tinker because they just want to see mm-hmm. what it can do. But as far as actual useful things, I haven't found myself using a lot of these services yet simply because the things that I would want to ask it, I would want some high degree. Uh, like if I wanted to, if I wanted to use AI in the form of asking a service, a question and getting a good response, I would, Right now, I wouldn't. I don't because I don't trust the veracity of the responses I'm getting. Like that sort of thing, I wouldn't go to it for. So, to me, what I I guess maybe we could talk about what what everyone would want a personal AI to be able to do uh, to help you. But the other, th- I mean, so there's two things. One's that, and then the other is it ha- still would fall over have all of the same, not just privacy implications, but all the lock in problems that every other technology has. So mm-hmm. let's, for example, right. say that you have maybe some localized, uh, you know, we're talking about forms of like, if you're talking about the, like comic books, like Jarvis AI for Iron Man or Snow mm-hmm. Crash, like yeah. the assistant butler and Snow Digital <laughs> Butler that, you know, Snow like that, um, that hero protagonist could talk to. All that, there's sci fi has all these examples of these basically butlers, more or less, that, you, that are mm-hmm. assistants that help you do things. Uh, but imagine you now have one. And it knows your whole life. 
and then that company goes under you know and now you have and there's no data port same with like think of think all the internet of things problems that you have right now yeah. that are cloud backed and say that goes away or gets yeah. acquired or shuts off or has terms of services after you're locked in that you don't like what do you do um because now it's like really entrenched in your life and you de- literally depend on it to do things yeah well, but, i think uh, i think there are yeah. some people some entities out there that are working on these problems with interoperability and open standards and that kind of thing in mind. Um, uh, or, or at least they say they are. Um, I, I think that, that that is part of the conversation, but I, you know, I feel like there are enough of us, let's say, that, that, have, that have that feeling, want to avoid that vendor locket, that I, I think it, there are enough people in the world working on it. The, the thing that, that I wonder, though, is, and this goes back to also the conversation about you know, the newness of it. I, well, I don't know if I actually mentioned that yet, but I, you know, I have feelings about how people treat AI and, and as if it's this brand new thing, where it's, it's, it's absolutely not. Um, you know, how long have we, if we used or not Siri, but then at the same time, how, how useful have we found it or not? Um, I think that, so the interoperability thing to me is very key and having, you know, having spent the time to have some sort of AI thing, uh, learn who I am, learn my habits, become useful to me, especially something in my work life. For example, I would love to be able to have an AI assistant that could tell me, um, the most successful podcasts I've ever produced, you know, what are the topics that, that get the most listeners without me having to really to go and dig around and, and look at numbers? What are, um, what have I ever written about this? Uh, fi- uh, you know, find me ex correspondence with, with this person and, and distill it into something that makes sense. There's a lot of potential here for things that I would find really useful. Um, but it's getting them to work in a way that's actually useful. And as you say, getting them to be interoperable. So I think those two, those two things are very related. The practice, the, the usability and the practicality of it is very tied in to me to, to the interoperability. That's part of it. That's part of what I would like to see. Um, that might make me use a tool, whereas I wouldn't have in the past, I guess is where I'm going with that. But I think that people are working on it. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I get that impression I, from I listening. I have no evidence and... that anybody's working on what I want anyway. And I, I may be a market of one, um, and uh, I don't think I am. Uh, I think that the problems that we have that we mostly ignore because they're, they're kind of mundane. Um, taxes, pulling together receipts, calendar, contacts, where I was when, um, that kind of stuff, which is really useful to know. And, um, but, and I don't think requires anything heavy duty and it doesn't require a Jarvis. It doesn't require, it doesn't require, um, you know, I mean, it's, I, I see it more like a you know, the electric hammer or the electric screwdriver or the electric drill rather than the, you know, the robot that comes in and does it all and builds the house for us. Uh, it's, uh, augmentation. Like augmentation. Yeah, it's augmentation. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's what, it, it's, it's what McLuhan and, and, um, uh, what's his name? The invented the mouse that I'm not remembering right now that, that uh, Doug Engelbart, um, and others have talked about forever. Wait, it, this is augmentation and it's, but it's, it, you know, it, but it could, could be services, you know, you do hire services to do things, but they, they need to be compatible. They need, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to, I mean, I imagine 
Apple or Amazon, or I'm mean, sorry, Amazon or Microsoft could step in here and try to do it all, but they would want to trap us and put us in a silo and we'd never get out of it. And I think they're the only two that might do it because they're both personal computing companies, whereas Google and Facebook and other giants are not. Um, and probably least of all Musk, who's just all about going to Mars, but doing everything else in the meantime. Um, so I, I don't want to dwell on it too long. I think it's, I think it's actually a very mundane thing. And I, I have no evidence whatsoever so far that anybody's working on it. So I'm hoping a listener here uh, will well, come I, back with something and say, well, no, no, doctor, you're completely wrong. There's, there's this thing that so-and-so is doing. But if it's just a social thing that everybody else is doing or it's like, you know, organize your record collection or some other, something else like that, it's not, that's not it yet. You might be able to use that tech, but that's not what I'm talking about. Well, I, I, I'm in kind of a unique spot here because I, as, as many people know, I work for a hardware, a, a company that may, anyway, I work in the semiconductor industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the type of conversations I pay attention to in this space are those that do focus on, on openness and interoperability because, frankly, it does behoove especially hardware makers to, for things to be as open and interoperable as possible. Right. Because, um, you want everything to be able to run on on your, on your machines. Right. I mean, at a very basic level, but yeah. So, so I think, I, I suppose I'm, I pay more attention to certain things like that just because of the type of things that I hear and, and the, the, the events and the keynotes and and all of the things that I, I know that I, I recognize that at least people are talking about it. Um, working towards solutions. Yeah. So, so you have some hope there that because. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. 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 And, and the other, the other conversation that I'm, I'm trying to be more and more aware of is, is the, the conversation around the openness of AI, right? The, the licensing questions and, and the conversations that, that happen around that, because today, um, you can open a model, but it's not it's not open in, in the way that we think of openness, right? In terms mm-hmm. of open source. Um, and that's an interesting conversation to have. Well, and I mean it just something else that came to my mind. So a lot of the things that we're we're talking about and a lot of the I mean the reason I think that we're hearing a lot about AI now is that you have all of these companies that for other reasons were gathering all of this data about everybody to then analyze and answer questions that they wanted to ask, which are, what's the thing that you want to buy next? And so I can, I can show it to you. And so that you can click on it and generate, you know, it's all based on marketing. And so and that required an ever increasing amount of data to get very targeted. They believed. And, and now there's an alternative use for that. Just like, coincidentally a, a great alternative use for the big gpu farm you were using to mine cryptocurrency you know five years ago is to now aim it at using it for some form of ai and so that's what's being used now instead you have all this data and it's great for training things if you come up with things it's almost like a we have the solution now we have another use for this thing that we had already like i already had this big i had you know massive amounts of data about everybody and now I can feed it, you know, I had all these pictures and now I can feed it into this model and figure things out. Um, but one concern I would have is like, so now you have a personal assistant and it's trained on all of your stuff and you're talking to it all the time. Every now and then you might ask it innocuous questions that then feed in the marketing data, right? So for example, my phone's getting old. What, what's the best phone I should get next? You know, or something like that. And now imagine that the mm-hmm. the brand 
<laughs> the brand that you use for AI also happens to sell a product in that space. You know what I mean? And, and how would you, yeah. it, the challenges of bias when you're doing things like that or anything, anything that then crosses over into a point of sale or like anything that, that ties into marketing would immediately be suspect, right? Because we know that mm -hmm. traditionally all this data is being collected specifically for that purpose and finally tuned for that purpose. Same with like all the data broker stuff that we have too, right? And so like question, how would, whether the model is open or not, like how do you ultimately trust that you're, the branded AI, personal AI that you're using when you ask it for recommendations that tie into its parent company that it's not going to be biased for its parent company? Yeah. Well, and well, this goes straight into, you know, the entire topic of responsible AI, which you know, a lot of people are working toward and working and working within. Um, and it's, you know, it's again, it's the stuff that we, we value as, as open source nerds. It's, you know, transparency and, and things that you don't necessarily automatically think of when you think of, of AI and these kind of black box models. But but I think as long as people are working toward the idea, these ideals of transparency and, and as you said, interoperability and all of those things, if we can get observability at least a little bit into how these things work and how, you know, I think that helps, I would hope, but, you know, has limitations. But, but that's also scary. Some part of some level of that transparency is scary, too, because we know that we know that queries that you put into a lot of the large language models now are also input for future responses right so it's mm -hmm. not like you ask it a question and that and that gets thrown away nothing gets thrown right, away no, right it's, nothing is ever thrown away <laughs> exactly right and so just like if, if i could the reason that it's so powerful for someone to have access to to own a search engine is that it's up until this point it's the closest window into what you're thinking right so what you're typing and what you're searching is pretty is a pretty good indicator of the things that you're thinking about and that's why it's very useful from a marketing standpoint if i know what you're searching for i can recommend things based on that to sell you uh and the same thing goes even more so for something like the inputs from a personal ai anyone who can see that so if it's so transparent that you can then see what's the input the the searches that it's getting uh, I mean, that's very, it could be very revealing about somebody, right? Just like the same reason that your search queries are very revealing about a person. And so how, it, even more so if it's if it's tied into all of your personal data. So, I mean, there's concern, I have concerns along those lines too. The same concerns I, I suppose that you would have about a search engine, but right, how revealing sure, all sure. that is, you know? Right. So that, so I have, I am somewhat aware of solutions that do have, um, let's say, a wall in between those things, right? So your individual queries would not be shared. Um, in other words, the transparency is on the, the model side, on the processing side, on the, you know, how does this work side, whereas um, the concerns that, you know, about the, the actual specific queries and the inputs and, and, and the things that um, that let's say get to know us very well loc on a local level. Um, I, you know, I think there is definitely an effort to build some kind of wall in between those. But the problem is, how much can you abstract that those queries and that stuff and still be useful, right? So, you know, let's say you have two sides of a wall. One is your local machine, and that's where you know you're inputting all of your queries, and it's it's scanned every document, every photo, every email, everything you've ever done on your machine, right? scary a little bit but but let's say okay you you trust it you have seen the code i don't know you've seen how it works you have a good enough understanding that you trust the way that, that this service or you know software works but there is a wall at some point it does have to communicate with the outside world i think in order to operate 
So it can, let's say, um, anonymize, repackage, uh, abstract to an extent, but only to an extent, because if you abstract it too much, it's no longer useful. So in order to be useful, so where do you, where is that balance between being useful, but not being privacy violating? And that's the thing that I'm obsessed with lately. And I, you know, haven't figured out because well, I don't know enough. Well, and it's uh, because it's all built on scanning all this massive data that was either collected about us or that we volunteered on the internet too. That's the other thing. And something that I'm concerned about and authors are starting to become concerned about is ownership of their own, uh, of their, of their own copyright over their own information that they published. Right. I mean, that's why you're seeing a lot of like everything from Reddit on to all of these other companies that are realizing the gold mine they're sitting on now that, it's not just scanning someone's preferences, but scanning conversations that people are having on forums and everything else is valuable for these models to scan, to get human-like responses back to things and have information mm -hmm. back, right? So who owns that? And there's still all of this debate about in people changing terms of services, like Zoom famously changing the terms of service recently that had a mm -hmm. hoopla because of the value of all the data and they want the ability to use some of that. So, but and then so does that mean you no longer own it? Like as an author, there's a question of if I have a book and I've published it now, but it, someone publishes it, someone pirates it or whatever, puts it online, which always happens. But then these models scan it. Mm -hmm. And then start answering, for example, start answering questions about how to write a tech book based on the input that they got from my book that they didn't license from me, uh, that I do own. And there is copyright law about that, but there doesn't seem like any of this is really being addressed, you know, other than these lawsuits that are happening that we don't have the output on. But there's all of this data that is ours, but isn't treated as though it's ours. You know, like all of the, all of the things that I've contributed online, maybe for free, but I would still want ownership on it to some degree or at right. least, you know, yeah. your 10 years or however many of Linux journal hack and slash columns have trained an AI to answer quickly answer system, system administration questions. Yeah. Right? And I, and I retain ownership of that. Right. And that like, that's a clear cut case of where I own that content and people can read it and use it for their own benefit, obviously, but not necessarily commercially because it's a, there's a copyright, especially if they're re, if they're read, if they are analyzing and then repasting it in a different form that, there's yeah. plagiarism or whatever like that's that's more straight straightforward i guess but what's slightly less straightforward is what about all of the forum posts i've made over the years that everyone's made or what about just chat rooms that i'm in where i'm chatting and all of that data all of those you know imagine imagine any sort of chat room that does tech support for people right and what a gold mine if anyone maintained logs for some sort of help desk for any sort of product uh, how helpful that would be for a model to scan and for their own support centers to then, you know, reply, have automated answers for all of this stuff. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm going to go back to, well, there's so many topics here. But first, just to go back to personal AI, just to touch on that briefly. Um, I think using it to buy products is going out into marketing villain is going to be a fail. And what I'm imagining is nothing to do with buying products. It just has to do with getting on top of my life in ways that I can, I might buy a product coming out of it. You know, when I do my taxes, do I want to use TurboTax? Do I want to use somebody else? Maybe I could use a little help with that. But it's, again, it's sort of the mundane things. As soon as you get out into the marketing world, it has and will continue to distort everything because it's all about helping co individual companies 
in their own parochial self-interested ways, sell their stuff and not anybody else's. And as long as you're serving all of those and they all have different interests, they're all competing to be on the top of the stack and they're all doing SEO and they're all, you know, and some of them are just, you know, gaming the system and spamming it and the rest of it, it's going to be horrible. And, um, and you're not going to get good results and, or you may get some, but they're, you know, I mean, this to me is why every time somebody says, yeah, well, you know, here's the thing you would, what you really need to do, this is what they tell me VRM is about, and it's not, is what you want to do is get the best ads for the best things. You you let the world know you're ready to buy a, a rotary snip widget, and all the, everybody who's got a rotary snip widget to sell is going to compete for your attention and come at you. We already have that. We have that with search, and it's horrible. Um and and it's and it's it's in shitified so totally now. You do something search for something on Google, and you're gonna get you know, the ads on top and more ads underneath and the SEO shit and maybe the bottom of page one or on page two or three, you're going to find maybe what you're looking for. Used to be Wikipedia was near the top. Now it's way down there somewhere. Um, I just did a quick search on Bing using chat, which has ChatGPT behind it on what does Kyle Rankin have to say about how to write a tech book? I'm sorry, I don't have access to specific information you're looking for. You can find a video titled this and in his video he says this and that. I hope this helps. Um, and, there's, and you've been out there saying all kinds of stuff all over the place. They haven't found it. <laughs> you know, Bing is in the search business. You're on, on Floss. You've been on other things. You On here, you know, this is public information. They should be crawling it. They're not. They're doing a shitty job. I, I did an earlier one. Um, I'm doing real research now on uh, a, a book I'm actually going to start to write about news. And, you know, so I want to know what Daniel Kahneman, who wrote Thinking Fast and Slow, and what a Nobel Prize for that, uh, and I asked it, you know, what does Daniel Kahneman say about stories, news, and system one and two? And I just listened to two podcasts, some printed stuff about those. I don't want to see how it gets. And it basically has a really shitty summary that doesn't even belong in a, you know, in somebody's handwritten blue book and, you know, uh, on, you know, some 101 course. It's, it's weak and so far. And I mean, it does some great things. I, I've, I have friends who, you know, say I, I can write so much better Python now if I start out with ChatGPT and, you know, and I can find out a lot of stuff. I got a really good summary of something the other day. That I thought that's really good. That really run, runs down a nice summary of whatever it was I was looking for. But there's so much other stuff where the information is out there and it could be found and it could be useful both Google and Bing are rigged to sell you stuff now. They're not about history. You know, if I want to look for what I wrote in Linux Journal a long time ago, it's harder and harder and harder to find. I'm sure your stuff is the same way, both of you. You know, it's not, it's either not there, you know, they, just don't, right. they don't find it. It pretends it. it's there. Well, yeah, <laughs> That's even I mean, better just, when it pretends. And it, and it maybe got used to train something, but I mean, you know, these LLMs have been trained on an awful lot of absolute shit and... Yeah. which the internet is full of, poop right? In, so <laughs> well, it's but, early. And, well, and, and it, also now that they're, now that they're being used to generate the, the next level of, of uh, SEO optimized uh, random content, you know, that, that is what shows up in between the ads and the other ads is something that someone was paid just to crank out that looks like it's a legitimate article, but it's kind right. of not a legitimate article, right? So now we, we all know that that's the, an ideal use case for AI is to write, give me 700 words about 
about vinyl siding and and how, what I should think about <laughs> when I'm getting vinyl right. siding, right? And then that's going to be my organic search result that meets all of the Google criteria that sits mm -hmm. in the middle, right? But now you have AI, right? Once you start having AI write that, then we've already, I think we've already talked about the feedback loop that happens yeah. when AI right. is scanning yeah. AI to feed more AI and yeah. it just gets worse and worse. But it also means that more people and more content generation areas that it was using are closing the barn door because like Reddit is doing because they want to own the content that they have and the people that are in people who are jittering their content now don't want AI to use it for something unless they get compensated for it in some way. And so how long is that going to last before you have these islands of data that you, they have to have this negotiation for content that is no longer free because people are realizing like, it's not, this is one use case now that I'm just realized where in the past, all of these companies realized the value of the data that you individually were putting out there for free, both through just how you use the internet and also the content that you're generating that you were, you weren't thinking about the value of it. Um, but now a lot of, I think people are starting to realize not just the value of it in terms of the marketing and everything, but now as fodder for AI, like all of us are generating incredibly valuable content by everything that we do online that is feeding these systems, but we're not getting compensated for it, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. not even in terms of like necessarily a free service in a way. Well, and here's an, an interesting twist. I've just asked chat GPT, how would I write a shell script that would automatically SSH into a remote machine and launch MUT or screen or similar programs, according to Kyle Rankin and Linux journal. <laughs> <laughs> and it gave me an answer. It did give me an answer. I don't think it's correct. But to create a shell script that automatically SSHs into a remote machine and launches MUT or screen, as described by Kyle Rankin in Linux Journal, you can follow these steps. Below is a simplified example. I don't know if this is how you would actually recommend doing it. But it thinks maybe it could be, which is kind <laughs> of a funny thing. <laughs> well, it says it was trained on that and it saw it and there may not be another one like it. it yeah, it's might, just it's probably, back it's to my probably, query. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a a piece in Wired um, by enough talk chat. Uh, my new chatbot friend can get things done. And it's a pretty technical piece, um, but it, it's about prompting and, and being good about prompting and prompt engineers are, are now, you know, being paid well. Um, and that there's, I'm not saying there's nothing there. There's a lot there. We're going to go, we're going to go places with this, but. Uh, some of it's not going to be where I want, but that's all right. Well, yeah. well, it's it's just what I think we've talked about how a lot of this tech has existed for a long time, but I think that the reason that it, one of the, I mean, there's a couple of different reasons we're hearing a lot about it now. A lot of it now is because there's, you know, there's a lot of money to be like VC money is one reason. But before yeah. that, the reason was that it passed individuals Turing tests essentially where right, yeah. it was convincing enough that the that the answer it was giving, even though it was completely inaccurate or wrong or whatever it was, it seems it was very convincing to a human being. Like it's totally past that. And so I think that's the threshold that got people excited where I could ask it to do a thing and it did a thing that convinced me that it was decent, you know, and maybe I don't know whether it was correct or not, but it, it fooled me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um... I don't, I don't know if this is, re this is interesting or relevant, but as we're having this conversation, um, I think it's also kind of, I think about like, you know, how, whatever co conclusion we, we come to about the usefulness or the accuracy or whatever, but um, I think we're, I'm totally willing to use all of these things in my work life. 
but not necessarily in my personal life. And I'm sure that mm. that must be a common feeling. Um, because a lot of the, the, the new AI based products that are popping up are, are productivity related or for consumers anyway. I mean, obviously there's a lot of B2B stuff like, uh, I don't know, people monitor, you know, industrial systems using AI or computer vision or, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's, you know, not all that particularly new even, but, but for the consumer stuff is a lot of, it's all kind of business and productivity. And, and this will summarize your meeting, you know, based on your meeting transcript and stuff like that. And, and yeah, and all that stuff's, you know, quite useful, but, but there's, in my mind, there's a line where I would love to have all of these things and, you know, take every, every piece of data you can off of my work laptop, but, but I would never put it on my personal one. And I think that's kind of, I don't know. I don't know how interesting or relevant that is, but that's my feeling. Well, I mean, that's, that's where you're finding the value in having a tool assist you in doing work, right? I mean, if we're talking about yeah. like some sort of personal, how we would use AI, one of the things we've talked about is that is thinking of it in terms of like other technology, which is it's aiding my productivity by helping me do something I was already doing, but maybe just assisted in some way, maybe not replacing it. Cause that's a separate thing. That's a right. service that's hiring someone to do a thing. Right. Uh, when we're talking about, no, I'm doing a thing already and I need to know if I misspelled a word. So spell check is automatically doing that, even though I could do it myself, but it's, it's, it's convenient. Right. Or I need to know, again, use a GPS to get between point A and point B. It's very helpful to have something do it, even though I can do it myself, I can do it faster. Uh, especially if I go off the wrong path and I have to figure out where I am. Uh, and this is the same sort of thing, like with, with coding. Uh, if you want to eventually, and this is one of the reasons that a lot of, a lot of tech companies have invested so much in the code generation aspect of this is because they all recognize how, what a force multiplier it will be to have smaller number of expensive software developers writing software that's assisted by this. So it's not that yeah. software development gets removed. It's simply that you have tools that get more out of the few that are remaining at a, a company needs fewer of them because they can get more work done because a lot of the mundane stuff is being sort of automated away. Once it, once it gets to a point that it's writing legit code. To me, so this is a weird thing also. So I just mentioned like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to more willing to use these tools in my work life than in my personal life. But at the same time, um, a lot of these tools are not available in 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 my work life and other people's work life. Well, but see, that's where that's where something like we're talking for our own personal use. Why it would really be it would be really nice to have a, an assistant that can that's sort of walled off from the public world and is sitting in my personal mm -hmm. home with my personal data and can't talk to the outside world because I own my personal data. And I don't right. want it. Like the, the same thing applies there. Like you can imagine a company would might be okay with it if it only scans their internal repositories. And so it's only right. being fed company code mm -hmm. that it, that the company owns, you know, but yeah. that's, that's it. That's very interesting that a lot of people would block based on concerns over ownership or licensing, because that, that goes back to the, the concerns that people already have had on GitHub, right? Like I've published yeah. all this stuff, stuff under open source license. It's feeding a model uh, who owns the output. You know, how much do you have to modify this before it's no longer licensed in my licensing terms? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not that familiar because I, my job these days is not directly tied to writing code, but from what I've read, it's, it's, it's definitely a concern. I, you know, I can't say which, which, which entities are allowing it versus which aren't because I don't know, but I, I know I've seen anecdotal evidence out there that some people are like, Hey, I'm not allowed to use this for work, which is interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine if you're a lawyer, you're probably not allowed to use it for your, uh, your your uh, research for your case summaries based on that one case that we that came up recently, right? Where 
Uh, he was mm-hmm. used it for the yeah, where it invented, uh, invent, invented <laughs> hallucinated yeah. some citation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was super convincing. Yeah, I mean that. I don't know. Uh, all of those things, to a point, will be useful when it's actually useful. But right now, I think veracity is not the focus. It's it's not. Is it giving me correct information as much as is it, is it giving me convincing information? And as long as the focus is still on the on being convincing. Uh, and not necessarily correctness. I'm not sure how useful it will be. You know, it'll, especially because it's the focus is so much on convincing you that it it said something that it answered your question, uh, and that's what so many of the models, at least the ones that we're using, are focused. That's the priority. It's not giving you the right yeah. answer. It's giving you an answer that you that looks right. And there's a big delta between the two. Yeah. There's this moment in. Um... In a moment, there's a ch- two chapters in, I think it's Foundation, Second Foundation, uh, the Isaac Asimov novel. Uh, and one chapter title is uh, The Answer That's Satisfied, and the next one is The Answer That Was True. And that distinct, I mean, that's written in what, 1952, something like that? I mean, but that that is what the world is full of, actually, you know, and the answers that satisfied is like all of talk radio and all of talk television and, and, you know, most of news, actually, that's one of the things I'm sort of studying right now is, and this is why Kahneman's interesting because system one thinking is the kind of, it comes right to conclusions and believes narratives and is full of cognitive bias and we need it in order to live and we need it in order to drive. We need it in order to talk. But it works best in talking with people who agree with us. <laughs> it doesn't work as well, you know. And we tend not to analyze the things that we believe because that requires system two, and that's a little harder. He calls it the difference between two, you know, two times two, where you already know the answer. That's system one, and twenty-four times seventeen, where you have to stop and think about it. That's system two. <laughs> so, anyway. Unless you have a big bank of uh, mechanical calculators behind you, exactly, like yeah, and then <laughs> behind you there, yeah, for those of us who are seeing this, yeah, <laughs> you got a great. I mean, nobody listening to this is seeing it, but Kyle is very much in focus and looks awesome. And behind him is a is a blurred mechanical calculator, which is cool. Well, but, you know, this actually, we can, I, mean, I can tie this you in. You've got a good camera there is what ah, I'm saying. I love a good tie. Oh, I can tie this in though, because that's the thing is th- these were like this ultimate tool assisted thing where it was very controversial when adding machines first came to the fore, because mm. there's this notion of trusting machines to do these calculations that it was much better if you did it all in your head. And there was a whole, because yeah. I've, I've been reading ads in, in a lot of stuff about the history of mechanical calculators and it was controversial. Uh, and there was a lot of convincing that had to be done for certain departments that no, it's it's better to have a human being use one of these tools to assist you in your calculations um, than sitting there doing it on pen and paper uh, because it can be faster. It's it's few, fewer errors and all of the things that kind of a lot of the personal AI is promising for the average person. But then there's also this concern of, well, but how do you know it's giving you the right answer if you don't know how to do the math? You know, and so, but ultimately the calculators won, right? Like a lot of us aren't sitting here doing you know, 24 times 17 in our heads anymore, even with pencil and paper, we're going to ask a computer, right? Uh, we're going totally to use an right. adding machine, right? Like, uh, so that, that uh, technology assisted task is, has won out over the human brain. And, you know, it, it keeps adding up to that. So 
this is interesting uh, related to sorry I'm, I'm i was over here while we're talking searching searching and <laughs> looking for sources for the you know who is actually using ai uh, code assistance but apparently in just this month um microsoft put out a statement that they're defending uh copilot assistant customers against copyright lawsuits because they're they're kind of trying to head off these concerns of the past which i think is interesting and i'll drop a link to that but but yeah anyway well yeah they've been investing tons in that in particular for years and years and years and years i mean the, the whole purchase of github was a strategic thing partially for that reason because they more than anybody else understand the expense of software development and mm-hmm. and anything that you can do to assist and make software development faster and less expensive in the major expenses, hiring developers to actually do the work. So, I mean, they've been on the forefront of of uh, machine generated code for the longest time, uh, and yeah. you know, and, and automating that part of the of the tech development cycle the same way that it's been automated and outsourced for um, in networking and system administration. You know, the this sort of thing is next. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. You know, it's it's funny. My my father, who was born in uh, nineteen oh eight, um, and loved mechanical adding machines, um, and dropped out of high school. He, he finished up much later, got a GED, but he could look at a column of numbers and just tell you the answer. Take one look at it, because. He needed math, I mean, basic math, four-function math. He was really good at just knowing this stuff because he learned it, you know, he, he, he learned it without the machinery and he needed it in order to do stuff. And, um, and his brother-in-law, who's with the same age, um, worked as a banker in New York, and he was very annoyed at people that didn't, who needed adding machines and stuff like that when you could just do it longhand and do it really fast because he was good at that too. And... In a similar way, my mother, who grew up in nowhere, North Dakota, she was born in 1913, and where they revered books and tried to read books as much as they could. But she, you know, I, I talked to her about a, a Shakespeare sonnet. She had them all memorized because everybody memorized all kinds of stuff. Memorization was a big deal back then. And that's how things are kind of passed along. And these are things that, you know, disappeared in, in our mechanical age and it, and but I mean I'll tell you I I was so bad at adding up numbers I just loved when hand calculators came along, they were so great, and I remember <laughs> I loved HP's calculator for doing you know the higher order math stuff, square roots and sine and, and trigonometry stuff, because that was fun because I could have that help me do it rather than do it myself and look things up in tables, um, I don't know I'm sort of projecting from, again from a sample of one. I haven't but had we, a calculator you know. in so long. Well, well the, the, fu- <laughs> the future will be, in, yeah. and actually I'm in, in the middle right now of reading Kashmir Hill's new book, Your Face Belongs to Us. I was one of the pre-orders, so it came on opening day. Mm-hmm. So now I've dropped everything and started, I'm about halfway through it. Great, great book, by the way. I recommend it. But it sort of, and I haven't gotten to the current day yet on it. So, but you can very easily see it's all about facial recognition technology in particular Clearview AI and how they invented an application that could scan a stranger's face and tell you who it was and also bring up other photos of them and and look online and give you the whole dossier about somebody Mm. by scanning a stranger's face. Right. But you could easily see how, as far as personal AI augmentation, 
you know, you could say half someone says, no, but I'm really good at remembering faces and names. And that's a skill I have. And it's very important for when I'm in a crowded room to know who everybody is and remember them next time I see them. That's a, you know, like a lot of salespeople, that would be a very valuable skill to have, for instance. And people really appreciate it when you do that. But you could also see how that's a skill that would be very useful yeah. for AI augmentation, right? You go into a room and it tells you who everybody is that's in the room and, mm -hmm. and basic facts about them and maybe even direct you to the ones that you're more likely to be compatible with for a conversation at a party with strangers, you know, all of that sort of thing. Or I'm going to a conference and I want to talk to this particular person about a thing and then your glasses overlay or whatever lets you know when they're in the room so you can go talk to them. It's all coming, That's you know. Hellscape. It's coming. I mean, think <laughs> all the pieces are there. Oh, all the pieces boy. are all the pieces oh, sure. are there. Yeah, we actually Doc and I had this conversation just on Floss Weekly um last week about the the same the same exact thing. And I, I made some snide comment about, you know, the dystopian hellscape future where our glasses pull up all of our resumes and embarrassing college photos. <laughs> yeah, based on facial recognition, right? You recognize me across the across the room, and then suddenly you see a, a picture of me at age twenty doing a keg stand or something. I don't know. Not yeah. that I ever did that, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it just it's just somebody the, else did. I don't know. In in the absence of better protections over what you own and what you've put online, that you know that you should have control over, but don't, you know, pretty much anything right, right now, it's, it's obviously free for all. There's no notion of licensing the, the very, like there's licensing for things like that. We have all written just because that was, that predates the internet. There's a notion of copyright, but there's none of that for anything else that we've put on there. Mm -hmm. Really. There's a notion yeah. at best. It's just, you know, whatever platforms we put it on, there's a notion that wherever platform it's on has permission to post it and, and use it. However they see fit right. more or less. Right. Uh, but as a result, and, and since we don't have good regulation on any of that, and all these things that we're imagining, there's nothing necessarily stopping it other than the tech getting slightly better. But all yeah. the pieces are there. Yeah. I, th I think, I mean, I, I think guardrails are coming. There are enough people, I don't know. I mean, you, you, it's always a question of commercial interest com competing with consumer interest and, and public interest. But um, you know, I, I think the guardrails are coming, but even with the guardrails, I, I think you're absolutely right. We will we will see um, justification for at the very at the very very minimum, right? Again, if you're we're talking going back to personal AI, if you've trained something on all of your personal interactions and your personal information and your entire contacts list, you know, I can there. Someone would would certainly argue that. It would be perfectly fine to recognize Kyle Rankin with my, with my, uh, you know, augmented reality glasses, whatever, and and at least pull up everything I personally know about you, which is yeah. far more than I could probably, you know, actually contain in my brain. So yeah, I mean, well, again, that's that's the next version of Salesforce. It's going to be yeah. right. Well, well, and here's the thing like, about regulation: it's 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 telling that. Right now, all of the the most advanced AI companies are the ones that are pushing for regulation. What does that tell you? It's just like with all other past regulation against a lot of tech industries, it benefits the entrenched, established play, uh, players mm -hmm. to have like, burdensome regulation that they can afford to the hurdles that they can afford to climb over. But startups or you know new entries into the field, which right now in terms of AI, there's a ton, obviously, tons of people that are trying to enter mm -hmm. into this model having certain levels of regulations benefits the people that are already there uh 
because they can close the door behind them. Yeah. yeah I'm actually, I feel like I'm going to go read up on, on all the, <laughs> on all the CRM AI stuff that's actually going on because I have no idea. And I, and yet I, I'm very aware that it must exist. But, yeah. it, it drives me crazy that when they, when Congress wants to have a hearing about AI or any subject, they call in all the captains of industry that they're going to, that are going to like, as you put it, close the door behind them. You know, you don't want them in the room. You want us. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not listening to us. Well, next time, give us a call. (laughs) <laughs> no, we're available maybe. you know our number after all i mean in yeah, the- <laughs> yeah they totally do now, just I, yeah though today a friend a mutual friend connected me with an fcc commissioner on something not this topic but uh another one but still interested well, kind of close to this topic it's uh Personal privacy terms. In other words, with us having personal privacy terms. Okay, I'm good. That Although the FCC promising. doesn't own privacy, the FTC owns privacy. But um, interesting, though. So, oh. well, that's a good to be continued. Yeah, that's a to be continued. We'll see. I didn't yeah. want to like write back right away. I thought Wait, I need to think about this before I write back to this guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, cool. Um. Yeah, so I I just looked. We've recorded almost an hour. I just it just flies by when we're having fun like this. See, yeah, it does. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say? It, it flies know. by when we can't fix what, <laughs> what's wrong with the world. So yeah, I know there's so so much so much to talk about, so many problems to fix, and really, I just have a lot of questions. And I just have all these neat tech technologies out there that I'm not willing to use yet <laughs> that I get I yeah, have to miss out on where I am yeah. too. you know it's it's, yeah. it's there's like like a lot of home automation stuff a lot of other stuff it's like it'd be really cool um but I'm just not you know the current state of it I'm not really willing to use I'm waiting for something that's that I have some more more control over and then I'd be happy yeah. to use it there's stuff that I would love to play with like drones drones I would love to play with but now you got to license them and it's complicated and they're not as expensive as they used to be. Be kind of fun. Yeah. Cause I'm like an aviation type of person, but, um, I'm too busy. <laughs> you <know>? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I have to put it together and work it out. And... Playing with toys. Yeah. Okay. I want to toys. Well, well, cool. I think we've, uh, we've raised a lot of questions. Uh, th- this is one where I actually really would like some uh, listener feedback. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, I want to see what you know, what people are out there using. I I, I would like to uh, learn more about some interesting uh, tools that might be privacy respecting. So if they're out there and and, and ideally interoperable, I would love to know more. So I'll leave it at that. Um, well, yeah, thanks y'all for jumping on and hanging out and doing the thing. Until next time.